Good day to you and welcome to Worked. I'm your host, Mark Washbourne. On this podcast, we like to unravel the future of work and education. And today we're going to dive into the topic of the necessity for all of us for career reinvention. So if you'd like to metamorphosize, perhaps into a beautiful butterfly, or indeed to lead others in your team through growth and career change, please stick around. I think it's fair to say that days of leaving school and university, landing a job, staying in that career or with that company for a prolonged period, perhaps until retirement, is well and truly over. So that inevitable change arguably means for all of us the need for continual reinvention and reskilling, something that requires ongoing investment and self-reflection in ourselves. To discuss that with, I have a leading thinker in transformation influence, and his name is Mark Hodgson. Mark is an author and business coach for many, including myself. Mark and I have been working together for many years. Now, right from the top, I'd like to say I've benefited enormously from his guidance. Mark focuses on helping leaders with self-awareness to unlock their inner talents for success and leading change, and ultimately towards a more open and happier place. Following his book, Time to Shine, Adapting Who You Are and What You Know to Succeed in the Ideas Economy, Mark is currently working on a new concept, The Second Half Hero, designed to help people to reconfigure and reboot their careers in this fast-changing world of ours. So firstly, Marky Mark, as you like to call me, how the devil are you? Oh, I am fine and dandy. Thank you, Mr. W. Very good. Fantastic to hear. Different setting for us today in the recording studio. Normally, we, we enjoy our coaching sessions by Manly Beach. There's no finer place to uh, to work. I find. <laughs> I love getting. I get. I love getting paid to have a coffee at Manly. <laughs> Is that how you see it? Yes, it's very very, very profound. Very <laughs> profound. So uh, look, we're going to talk about uh, job and career reinvention today. Thought it might be good if you first of all share uh, your own story of your own career trajectory and specifically your own metamorphosis. Morta- metamorphosis. That's so difficult to say that you undertook. That's easy for you to say, Mark. Thank you, okay, Mark. so thank you. I uh, think welcome to uh, to to your pod. I was going to welcome you to my pod. It's your pod, isn't it? That is great. Uh, so my background. I come from a corporate leadership background, as you can probably hear. Uh, I'm a native uh, English man, like your good self. I started my career having left university um i joined uh, a television sales uh, media sales uh, career which i did in in london up until the age of about 30 uh then tired of london and tired of life which now seems uh, which now seems a long time ago um i i i struck out and uh, we spent five years my wife and i living in uh, in budapest in hungary also working in media and media sales and then came to australia in 2000 and really um i guess over that period of time, graduating from just selling media and advertising, um, getting more senior roles as general manager, sales director, director, and getting increasingly fascinated with the actual process of, of, of building teams and leading people. And that culminated uh, in around, I think it was about 2009. I kind of, get, I kind of became a bit disen, disenfranchised, disenchanted with the media game. And uh, then started my last corporate role, which in which I led a business transformation. I led a, uh, I worked for a large not-for-profit, and we turned a million-dollar loss into a four million-dollar profit across a three-year period. Uh, about two hundred people spread across Australia, and uh, I really enjoyed that time uh, as, as as a leader and and working uh, in in change, 
Uh, and really, the, my favorite leadership quote is the role of leaders to bring out greatness in others. And I really learned in that time, I was sort of blessed in that time to work with good people. We removed some barriers, enthused them, and really encouraged them to step up. And that's how we achieved that fantastic result. At the same time as doing that, two other things happened. I did a degree in change management at uh, AGSM, which told me some, uh, gave me some good theory around change, although I actually disagree with the idea of change management. I think you don't, you don't manage change, you lead change, so it's change leadership. Uh, and then the second big big thing that happened was that I was I was given my first mentor. So that would have been about uh, in my early forties. I'm now fifty four. So about so about ten years ago. About, so I'd have been about forty four, and I had my first mentor. And I just found that so profoundly shifting in terms of having someone who wasn't just measuring my performance, as in was I delivering on my KPIs within the organisational context, but how wh- where where could I be stretched and where could I be growing and where could I be delivering and moving towards in other areas and that just sort of really sort of blew, blew, blew apart my I guess my sense of what was possible and um, so I would you know I do a lot of mentoring now with other people and a lot of coaching I would just encourage anyone to um, to explore that area if you have if you have not anyway at the end of that three-year period having led that amazing transformation myself and my team were then made redundant which was a bit shocking uh, and I guess I'd been a bit of a maverick leader and at that time, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm over that. I'm not, I'm not going to play this game anymore. And then I set, set, stepped out and set up my own consultancy, my own leadership consultancy, which I've been running since 2012. Um, and that's been its own journey, that transformation out of corporate into, I guess, being a solopreneur or an entrepreneur and also a business owner um, has been quite a profound transition. Uh, learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes. Uh, and now I'm on the other side of that transformation. And very successful, very much in, very much, I very much designed the life that I want to lead, uh, working with the people I want to work with, doing the work I want to do, and making a good living doing that. And now it's really interesting looking back, and what we're going to talk about today is what I now do a lot of is actually helping organizations and especially um, a growth orientated professionals to achieve that same transformation. Because I think even though I probably undertook it uh, probably early doors in, in the overall context of this massive change that we're going through in, the, in terms of the analog versus the digital world that we'll talk about, you know, I think now there's a whole set of, in, uh, set of businesses and a whole set of uh, individuals who really need to transform. Transform's a big word, and it may seem a too big a word, but I, don't think, I think it's actually the right word, and it is a big word, because what we're talking about is a significant shift in a whole load of areas, a whole load of... Um, places in your in your professional and personal life that one needs to um, one needs to sort of uh, tr- transact, and uh, I really enjoy doing that um, because I think I said a lot of people are kind of stuck or need wanting to or needing to make that change, and uh, that's what I do. I help people to do that. Well, let's let's dig into a bit more of how how you do actually help unlock that in people. And but first of all, let's can you just expand for us on that on that concept of the second half hero? It really it sounds like really what you're helping is uh, in that second half of life career that uh, as people reinvent, they can actually reach a new pinnacle. Yeah. So this, 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 the second half hero, it's, uh, I love the alliteration. I love the title. It's the title of my new book. In fact, it's the title of a new, uh, a new membership site I'm building in 2020. Um, and the second half piece, I guess, so I'm, I'm 54. Uh, a lot of this, I guess, pertains to, so a lot of people I work with are probably 40, 45 plus, And they're kind of, um, they're in that, place of either wanting to or needing to change either within an organization and I, and I think the reality is most people for most people the biggest opportunity 
is actually to reinvent themselves within an organisation as an employee, as opposed to set, st to step out on their own, as I've done, because the consultancy or solopreneur world is fantastic. Uh, it's what I love to do, uh, but it ain't easy. And I, I don't say that to say I'm sort of superior or better to anyone else. It's not about that at all. But you know, if you want to embark on that journey, be very clear on what's involved. It's extraordinarily liber liberating and can bring you a lot of balance and possibility, as it has done for me. But it's very hard work, and it's certainly not for everyone. So for most people um, going down that road, I think the, 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 biggest, the biggest part of Second Half Hero for them will be reinventing themselves within an organization, so recommitting within an, within a, within an organization. And I mean, to, to, to paint a bit of a picture, and I will answer your question. I know I'm, 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 sort of, I'm quite secure to some of my answers, but I will come back. Within an organization, the, what, te what people tend to do is the danger is you get painted as the grumpy old person in the corner who's with their arms folded, metaphorically, oh, I've been here for 25 years, I've seen this, oh, we tried that before, it didn't work, oh, another change initiative, and you get painted as the grumpy old person in, 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 the, in the business. And the opportunity is for that cohort of people to, to recommit and reinvent themselves. And remember, there was a time when they tripped through the door as a, probably a 20-something into that business where they were so excited for their first day at work. And I'm not being naive. I'm not saying people need to be doing cartwheels every day they come mm. to work. But I think it is in, incumbent on them, in fact, ne a necessity that we we do a whole lot of work on ourselves such that we show up able to... It's like a rejuvenation, that, isn't it? Absolutely, rejuvenate, yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's no reason, just because you're 50, there's no, and there's no reason you should not be excited and engaged in your work. And the reality is, sweeping generalisation, probably many or even most people are not, and that's the work we need to do. Because I think yeah, the other thing that we're coming... You know, simplistically, I've touched on this a little bit. You know, there's, there's, there, there was an age where most of this cohort grew up in, which was like analogue... Um, it was predictable. We used to, you know, a planning. Uh, we'd, we'd come to this time of year and say, "Okay, right, it's December. It's December. What does what does what does twenty twenty look like?" Ah, oh, well, last year plus a bit. So this year, um, well, plus fifteen percent. We'll argue about it a bit what the revenue target needs to be. But fundamentally, we used to move into the future by extending the past. So that's analog, predictable, sequential. Now we're living, obviously, in a much more essentially it's a digital world. It disrupted and disrupting all the time, much faster, changing all the time. Things like agility, creativity, are much more prized, and those are two very, very different worlds. And if you grew up, if you grew up as many of the cohort I'm talking about, if you grew up in that analog world, which is fundamentally, you leave school, go to university, or some version of that, you join a large organisation, you chunk your way up over time, and you know, time time served, um, and and you get promoted, and you earn more money, and there's kind of a nice upward sort of uh, diagonal on on that graph. Now, if that ever if that ever existed, it probably did to an extent. It certainly does not exist now, possibly with the exception of the public sector. Although, as we speak, obviously, you know, uh, Prime Minister has just taken a, a a big swing at the public sector. So, even in that you know, very relatively conservative um, mm. sector, that that mo the model is under is under is under massive challenge. And in most commercial organisations, as you would know, Mark, it's been much much more ra uh, rapidly uh, dismantled. So that being the case, I said that it is a transformation. Um, so that's the second half, and fundamentally, to get people to find in themselves the, their best version, the best version of themselves. So I don't sit there and moan about, oh, it used to be better, it used to be different. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a ton of really good stuff that most of us, most of us have got. We just need to get out of our own way, unlearn a whole lot of stuff that's no longer useful or no longer true, and put our best foot forward. Um, and whilst, so I'm just coming back to the question. In Answer term, the bloody question. In terms of 
the second half, <laughs> the reality is there are more than two halves. You've, so the, you know, as, as we now go from that world where you might have had two or three jobs in a, a 30, 35-year career, the reality is, you know, with the gig economy, you might have, I don't know, you might have 10 halves. And it's, it's the, 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 point, the point is really Absolutely. the transition to the next half. And there might be a transition after transition after transition. And what we really want to do, what, what the work I try and do is help people be, be agile, be future-focused, be optimistic, be curious, and move into that future. And they learn. And like uh, you keep going through those transformations like, like insects and animals do. And they keep evolving and growing mm. as opposed to getting stuck. And mm. if we get stuck, we get stopped. In a world that's changing super fast, if you're not moving forwards, you know, that's a cliche, but you're actually moving backwards. And uh, I do actually think we're, we're at a tipping point as we enter 2020. I think there's a massive uh, tipping point. Um, people and organizations who are trading on old momentum, and there's lots of them in Australia, I believe. Um, if you've been trading on old momentum and old energies, old products, old conversations, whatever version of that. We've is, always done it like this, right? Exactly. We've always mm-hmm. done it like this. Um, and, and kind of with the sense, oh, it's decay. we know it's getting worse slowly, but we've got a bit of time. I don't think you have time. I think the decay is going to be rapid for many people and many organizations. It's going to drop off really quickly because we're seeing increasing, increasing competition. And interesting, we're having some conversations with quite a few of the individuals and businesses I work with at the moment about customer retention. And organizations are finding that you know they're, they're what they thought thought were baked on customers and clients yeah. are actually leaving them uh, much faster than they quickly. thought. Yeah, yeah very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Now, firstly, I'd like to say that I do love the term second half hero because it really brings to mind the latter stages of my football and soccer career when I wasn't fit enough to play a full game, but also conjures up an image of the hero's <laughs> journey, which uh, which I also like. So I think, you know, the way I see it, you know, traditional structures are changing all around us, aren't they? You know, industries are re- really, as you said, being turned upside down. Uh, there's a hollowing out of middle management. Uh, and uh, if you think about the really big employers, you mentioned the public service there as well. You know, what's going on in the banks and the telcos? Uh, massive restructures, more, a lot more coming, I'm sure of that. Mm, mm. Uh, and uh, and that's really without getting into the very real growth of new technologies and, and automation. I think often we, we talk about automation coming to to actually take away more so replace more unskilled roles but what really you're talking about here is is that those management roles and that white collar absolutely and i i think that's that's the that's that's the shift that people and it's it's funny I, I i could have done this podcast five years ago i've been banging on about this for years um and so when i talk about 2020 as a shift it's because I think the time has arrived where people, and I, I've, said, I've said this for a long time, people go, oh, yeah, that, that, we get that, Mark. Yeah, we, we understand that. We know we need to reinvent, reinvent. We know we need to, we need to create a, a better personal and professional brand for our organizations and as individuals. We know we become, need to become influencers. We know we need to put ourselves out there and be authentic. We know we need to, we need to do all of that. But you know what? We don't really need to. We, we should, but we don't need to. We can get away without doing it. And I think what, what I'm sort of my, my 2020 prediction is, and I'm, I'm seeing it. I sense it in the market. I sense it with people I'm working with. I sense, and I don't want to. I don't. So I don't want to be fear mongering here. It's not about that. But I think the the reality is, you know, this is the first time I can think of for quite a few years that in Australia anyway, we've got a conversation about the economy, sort of, uh, you know, b- b- being uh, uh, being in some degree of, of challenge. Probably the first time it's been talked about a lot since 20, 2012 or something like that. You know, the the, G, the GFC as it's called here. You know, so that's really going to accentuate this. I really, I really do. Now, uh, one term that you talk about a lot, and I think is is so critical in all this that I'd like to delve into a bit is is that is a term self awareness, and really starting with that. So, can you share a bit about what that means to you and why it's important? 
Yeah, so self-aware, I mean, I, I do a lot, a lot of work with individuals. I lot, do a lot of work with teams and, and leaders. And, and we talk about this idea of being authentic and, 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 and putting ourselves out there. All of that, the starting point for all of that is self-awareness. We need to be self-aware. How do we show up? How, you know, how, how do we show up personally? How do we show up as organizations? Um, but, but, but particularly, how, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? How do other people re- receive us? How do other people experience us? What might we need to work on? You know, what, what, what do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? Are there things we need to, you know, are there, are there, do we need to work on our empathy? Do we need to work on being more vulnerable? Do, do we need to work on being better listeners? And especially as leaders, especially as, you know, if leaders, certainly if they've grown up in that analog world, the reality is a lot of those things are really important and, and, and it, it is a deficit area for many of us. I mean, and, and you know, coming back to the, to the, uh, the question of self-awareness, um, we need to be self-aware, but then we need to, the, 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 I love this, so we need to do the self-work. So, and the, obviously the starting point for self-work is self-awareness. So I need to work on this and this and this, but then make the intention, be intentional, actually commit, invest, whatever, in actually doing the work. Once we're aware we've got gaps or deficits or things we're even re- really good at, we need to do more, find out what that is, be self-aware, and then then take action and do something about it, as opposed to fold our arms and say, well, this is the way I am, or that's the way stuff gets done around here, or some version of, you know, what, either, either I'm self-aware and I, or sorry, either I'm not self-aware, or I am self-aware of my faults and deficits, and I don't give a shit. You know, that's, that's which is which is a problem with, uh, with, with some leaders. As I say, the, and the reality is I believe leadership is much harder now than it has ever been, um, and that might be, you know, there may be sort of a rose-tinted view of a past that may or may, may or may not have been true, I'm not sure. But it's, you know, it's certainly more complex and, and, and a lot more is asked of leaders today to lead, you know, where it's much more, you know, and we, we probably touch on, on, on to, with younger workers, you know, the, 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 the much maligned millennials who want, they don't, 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 aren't necessarily just going to do what they're told. They want to belong to an organization who they share, have shared beliefs with and so forth, you know. So leadership is much more multifaceted. It's not just command and control. Um, and I think leaders, you know, there's a lot of latent talent in leaders, but a lot of them don't develop it. And too many leaders, I believe, are managers. And nothing wrong with managers. Management's cool, but management's not leadership. And I think that, and the, the, it's, the, it's crossing the gap between those two that's important and self-awareness and self-leadership, which is once we're self-aware, lead, lead oneself through that process of growing, doing the self-work to, to say, create, create new capabilities, plug gaps, whatever. That's the, that's the DNA of, of growth and, and, and into leadership and, 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 and success in, in multiple, multiple formats. No, look, that's, I think that's really helpful. And I think the other thing, and I read your stuff, and of course we've, we've done a lot of work together, and something that comes up in your, in your work is the idea uh, or uh, the focus on courage. And I think that the self-awareness and the change for many is, is very daunting. Right. So uh, can you explore that a bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you mentioned the hero's journey, which actually absolutely is also the, uh, the blueprint for second half hero. Right. The, you know, the, the, there are, as, as we sit on the, on the, on the, on the eve of a, of a, of a new uh, decade, which in one sense is another year, but I think in another sense, it is actually kind of really on point that it is, that it is a, it is a new decade um, for the reasons, the reasons I've, I've um, re- referred to. Um, the the sticking point for many I find who I, when I work with people or when I talk with people, it's having the it's having the courage to start. So the hero's journey is is ultimately about being disrupted from your from the status quo. 
and there's yeah, we won't go into the whole hero's journey thing, but fun, fundamentally, it's usually something happens that disturbs our our, our daily routine and our daily world, and we're, we're we're forced to go on a new journey of discovery and adventure and a whole lot of stuff around that, and we come back at the other end of it having gone through trials and and met mentors and people who guide us and challenge and test us, and we come back a better version of ourselves. That's the hero's journey. Yeah. But it starts with courage, mm. and the danger. I mean, I, I've got I've got a model I talk about in, in second half hero that that uh, one of the one of the lo- the um, axes goes from fear to hope, and you know the, the, a lot of us are stuck in fear because yeah, with all this change in the world, it's the fight and flight response thing. With all this stuff and uncertainty, we're not really sure what's going on. Our human response is often to make ourselves small and sort of fetal and curl up and kind of hope it's all going to go away. And hey, it might all go away, but I don't think it will. I think this change, this, and I talk about this idea of the VUCA world, you know, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. I think it's here to stay, and we need to reinvent and change up to be happy and successful in a world that's changing all the time. And as, but as you as you say, that takes courage because our, our instinct is to make ourselves a small target. And and I talk about this idea that we we actually become small, and actually what we need to do is become big. We need to step into that. We need to sort of, you know, uh, become vulnerable. We need to um, be courageous and step stepping out. We need to be curious, and that's that whole, you know, that that self learning journey. And for many of us, that's that's hard. So, it fun, fun, funnily enough, that the whole the whole second half hero um, book I'm writing and the whole movement, there's lots of different roads you can go down, but the book's actually about courage, because it's the courage to start. Once you've started. Yeah. Once you've started, then 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 the next thing becomes the next yeah, thing totally becomes the next it. thing, and then also the the idea it's not a seamless you know it's not like a a seamless and perfect pathway into the future. And I love this idea of failing forwards fast, and again, um, you know, smaller agile individuals and smaller agile uh, businesses, startups are, are much much more attuned uh, to this idea of failing forward. Large organisations and many individuals are stuck in that sense of I can't fail. Or they say, yeah, no, we're all we're all okay with failure until someone fails, and then it's who failed, and then it, you know, people are held to account for failure. There's a lot of both personal and organisational and cultural things that hold us in a place of, uh, I guess, conservatism at best, and also almost fear and the status quo or status quo, but also but, but at a human level, fear. And I, I can think of three or four people who. Um, I have almost got to come on a journey and work with me over the last three or four years. Different people, who I they just get to the they get to the edge. They know they want to do it. They know want to step up. They know want to. I, I talk about this idea of helping people. Should to we think. give them a call now? Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know. I love this. I, I, I have this sort of strap line that I help people to 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 think, to do, and to be more. Um, and I've got I've got a few people. I've got them right to the edge, and I know they want to think more. Do I want to know what to do? More, I know they want to be more. And I've seen like a few times just get to the edge, and then they yeah, and then they then they go back, and then they go back to their to a small world that that, that frustrates them. It's a bit like you know, remember back in the back in the day when we were, were uh, growing up in England, you used to do the show jumping, yeah, the horse the horse of the year thing. And you used to the, the horse would come to the come to the um, to the fence and just and what's it called refusal? They get they get there and they just stop. <laughs> I've seen that time and time again. I know it's a very, very real. So, so to, sorry, the courage thing is a very, very real barrier. But once you have the courage to start or to decide to do something, then the next step, you know, is, is, is the, the, the next step becomes obvious, then the next step, then the next step. So don't mishear me. This ain't easy. But once you have the courage to start and actually start to get movement, then you get um, some momentum and then things start to fall into place. I can 
certainly see, and I've certainly met some people as well. I think I've introduced introduced people to yourself that can see, and I, I can see why it'd be very daunting. You know that you have there's somewhat of a a comfort blanket as well, isn't there, of of, of the aspects of the corporate career. There's some self-identity wrapped up in all that as well. So certainly changing careers, certainly going out on your own, it would be a terrifying step for many. So outside of getting a mentor, which I completely buy into. If you haven't got a mentor, you're a fool. Completely buy into (laughs) that. You know, what what else can we be doing to to help people get through the self-awareness and the courage steps? So so I think the um, another C is the curiosity piece. Courage is rarely an heroic leap or jump and when and you know some some people do that i mean when i so when i stepped out for example i, I was probably too brave um you know i i, I went from being a, a corporate leader who'd worked all over the world and employed to setting out on my own i was just thinking it through there was it because you made a non-for-profit profitable i think maybe that's where you went wrong that was my sin i think that was my, <laughs> that, that, that 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 was my sin and thanks for fixing it up now see you later mark but, and what I actually recommend to all my clients now is don't do that. So actually is to create a more graduated approach. I should have done like three days a week with someone else or some kind of contract to work such that I, I ease myself into it a bit. But the, uh, so you can, but I jumped in literally with you know, two big feet in one big heroic go, which was heroic in one sense, but also really stupid in another sense. And certainly, not, as I say, not what I'd recommend. So that being the case and, 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 and that being neither smart nor attainable for most people, what we need, what we need to do, is we need to break the ground a bit ahead of us. And I think one of the one of the best things we can do to do that is is really um, reawaken our sense of curiosity. One of the who's telling me I was I was at an event the other week, and one of the or maybe it was online, I'm not sure. And someone, some someone who was a young mum, she said, uh, "Do you know the the average three year old kid asks about three hundred questions a day, and the average adult asks about five questions a day." And so we, we, you know, that we, we, yeah, and I know if you've got, if you've got, if, you, if anyone listening, it's one of them, would you like a cup of tea? Yeah, if anyone listening has got lots of, yeah, exactly. If anyone listening has got lots of got small kids, I, mean, I know, it, I know it can drive you nuts. But as children, we have that curiosity and it's really valuable. And yet, as we become older and we become more corporatized, and we, you know, there's, there's that biblical verse about putting away childish things, like, I think curiosity is one of those things we park because yeah. we kind of know everything now because we, especially, uh, certainly, we've been to university. We know everything. We 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 we're done. We're we're full up. Um, so we we get out of the habit of being curious individually, and both organi- and organisations often are not particularly good at at, at um, encouraging us to be curious. But if we can actually become curious and feed our curiosity, and one of the I mean, there's so many great ways now to do that. Interestingly enough, the podcast I think is one of the most beautiful media that there is it's intimate um you know and and it's it's, it's actually on a massive upward trend as you would know and people 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 are, people are thirsty they're hungry for motivation they're hungry for new ideas things like podcasts and obviously online videos and so forth. self-learning is becoming a lot easier self-learning is becoming a lot easier but you have to put yourself in a place yeah. where self-learning becomes a habit for you and so we talk about so curiosity what does curiosity mean in a practical sense curiosity means not watching shit TV every night or listening to you know talkback radio or something where all you get is a feedback of your own biases and we all do them I and that's that's why I think one of the one of the I mean when it's a different conversation but one of the big problems I think we've got today with 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 the media is so much of it is algorithmically fed now that we just get we get reflected back to us what we want to hear the algorithm knows we're left wing or right wing or green or whatever the thing is. And we just go around in our own in our, in our in our own echo chambers, and that's not good for our curiosity, our perspective, our balance, or anything. So, 
you know, when once we can be curious in terms of listening to podcasts and online or going to conferences, and uh, and one of the things I, I always recommend is you know, if you're in an organized, if you're in a market sector, don't just go to conferences that are in your sector. You know, go to go to something that's completely oh, different. Agree more. And you'll pick up something weird and wonderful. And there's yeah. a, there's a lovely um, there's a lovely quote by um, oh, I William Gibson, I think his name is. And he said that the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. So chances are that the, break, the, the breakthrough in your industry probably exists in a completely tangential industry or, or a different part of the world or something. You just haven't seen it. You know, and there's lo lo lots of cross-fertilization, pollination from, from, from biology into digital world and, 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 and so many different instances of that. So, you know, we just got to get out of our own sandpit, but also get out, get, get, just get out. You know, it's very easy to get stuck in our own habits, whether that's a commute or, you know, these are the friends I have and these are the places I go to. We've been on holiday every year, you know. And that's what, I mean, I'm just saying to you before the pod, I'm going up to London again. You know, I go up to London quite frequently. I just love tra traveling is such a great way, whether it's UK or wherever you go, to spark curiosity. Oh, this is the, oh, this is the way they get on buses here. This is, this is the newspapers they have. This is what they eat here. You know, wow, look at the way the kids do that or whatever. All these new ideas, new stimuli, and that's the point. You've got to be getting new signals, new stimuli, new ideas. You've got to be challenged. I think we have to challenge ourselves with the new. We might. We, I mean, it doesn't doesn't mean we have to be openly accepting of everything we see. But we might. We might. You know, the challenging might. Be, you know what? I, I now go back and I put extra value on something we're doing because I think it's. I've seen it done badly, or I think I didn't. We didn't value it sufficiently. Now I can see why it's super important. We need to, um, you know, uh, heighten heighten the importance of that. So, so yes, curiosity. I think is it's the like most, an awakening, isn't it? Yeah, people. A lot of people walk, walk around in almost a, a zombie-like state. They're kind of asleep at the wheel because it, you've just got the same stuff going round and round. It's the same system, same conversation, same food, same circle of friends, same media, same TV, whatever, whatever, whatever. And we've got to bust that habit if we're going to become, if we're going to, yeah, you know, if we're if we're going to create change in our world. I think the uh, the the term that uh, I see linked to all this is. Is teachability and uh, and something that you said just to go back to is I think a lot of people do see once they've left university or they've left that first part of formal education that the education process is kind of done and uh, and so that sort of reskilling and that you know that going back and and and, and relearning I think we've all have without doubt met those types of people that um, you know, just just find it really hard to make that probably that switch to say that I don't know yeah. Yeah, yeah, which, which which is a vulnerability. I don't know, and 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 then this the other thing is le leaders don't. You don't need to know. You don't need to be the smartest person in the room. And I think a lot of uh, a, a lot of especially new leaders get hung up on this, and they they've got a false view of leadership. They, they think they need to be the smartest person. They think they need to make all the decisions, and that's not that's not at all that's not that's not at all the case. It's um, you know, they they the role of a leader is to bring people together and, and, and a collab to bring a team of people together and help them to collaborate and help them bring out the greatness in others so bring out the, the collective wisdom of the room not to be the super smart one who knows all the answers yeah that, that's interesting the other uh and i don't i, I don't want to have this as like a string of buzzwords but they're just ways to frame the discussion really the other thing you talk about is influence and also for people to going through any type of transition to be thinking about their their personal brand mm. Uh, so uh, can you share a bit of the insights uh, on that and why you think that's another important part of the yeah, puzzle? I, the, 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 this, this is, uh, it's funny, influence an influencer is a buzzword because I think when people hear influencer, 
they what they what they race to is like one of those. I see Instagram in my Instagram. Life. Yeah, you see one of those those cra- you see some crazy young 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 uh, young male or female who's got one hundred fifty thousand followers and has paid a lot of money to uh, you know to spruik a, a, a an app an app or a fashion accessory or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. Fundamentally, as part of um, I think being successful and being happy in this in this digital and disrupted VUCA world, um, especially for that cohort in the sort of second half hero cohort. So let's say you're 45 plus. The reality is those people, so 45 plus, you've grown up in that analog world that I spoke about. Uh, the chances are you have traded on two things. The first thing is your expertise, yeah. which is what you know. And your experience, which is where you've been. At the intersection of expertise and experience is credibility. So that's great. What you've basically traded on as being a credible subject matter expert. And that's great. And if I actually go on most people's LinkedIn profiles, and I know this because I'm doing quite a lot of work on LinkedIn at the moment, most people show up, if they show up at all, as credible subject matter experts. Um, and that's cool, and that's necessary, but it's no longer sufficient. It might have been it might have been sufficient in that old world, but it's no longer enough. And the reason it's no longer enough because being a credible, credible subject matter expert, you're just a commodity. Because there's thousands, there's tens of thousands. In fact, in terms of a global context, and that's one of the wonderful things about, for example, LinkedIn. It's a global platform. There are subject matter experts from all over the planet. And if you live in a country like Australia or the UK, where uh, you know which, where, where labour is very expensive, we are very expensive subject matter experts. So if all you're doing is trading on your subject matter expertise, you are commoditized. And guess what? We're expensive. And guess what? Chances are you will be you either you will be forced down in terms of your pricing, or you just won't get picked up. So we need to bring a third element into play um, to tell the whole story. So, so we, we're a credible subject matter subject matter expert is cool, but there's a third element. So I talked about expertise and experience, um, but the third element is actually our essence. So expertise is what I know, experience is where I've been, essence is who I be. So that's about our character, our personality, our loves, our hopes, our fears, our traits. Um, if you like a, a wider, a wider part, the, the, the bigger picture of who we are. And when we bring our essence into conjunction with our expertise and our experience, not only we're credible, we're also convicted and we're authentic. And what we're actually looking for in this crazy world of change and, you know, uh, and, and uh, the sea of noise that is it's just, you know, I think we get something like 10,000 10, advertising or uh, email messages a day. You know, what we're actually looking for is people who can help us make sense of all that. And what we're looking for, yes, we don't want experts. We also want people who we believe in, who come from conviction and who are authentic. Um, so if we can bring that to life, we basically bring our essence into play, then we actually start to shine. So that's a good thing to do. So how do we do that? That's where the influencer piece comes in. And the influencer piece is really about telling the story of who you are. Um, yes, the professional side, absolutely. Um, and you can, you, know, you, you can create IP and, and as, as I do and, and sort of and create content around that. But also tell the story of what, you, what, what you're passionate about. So, for example, when I when I create content, not only do I create content about second half hero and transformation and change and and, and authentic leadership and things like that, I also create content telling you about the fact that uh, yeah, I play third grade rugby and I love it and it's great camaraderie, or that I row surfboats, or I've got an interest in men's mental health. You know, I talk about those things. And what's interesting, and here's the science behind this, there's data behind this. You know, I can actually um, show show LinkedIn likes and views data that shows that those other posts that are about, for example, you know. Uh, sporting interest or getting together as a community 
they are just as powerful. They 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 get just just as many views and probably get more comments and interaction than the stuff that's pure. For example, here's five leadership tips. Mm-hmm. So it's basically putting ourselves out. It's paying that whole of whole of person self. The way I like to talk about it is like it's a mosaic. We 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 are all a mosaic, and a lot of mosaics have three or four key elements. Um, and you know, our expertise is one key element. I'm so, I'm saying on social media to build reverence. Yes, we should talk about that um, the most, but we should also talk about the the areas around the edge of that that, that add color and add interest, and and that that's such that we get a sense of your professional brand, and that's the influencer game. And the reality, and I, I spoke about this early, you know, those that do this well, I believe, position themselves with opportunity. I believe they position themselves to be differentiated. Um, and I think they therefore position themselves for more success and opportunity. Those that don't, uh, they, they, they risk being commoditized. They risk not standing out. They risk missing out on opportunities. They risk being made redundant or not getting jobs or not getting offers because they're just one, one they're vanilla. They're just, they're just, a, they're just, you know. And, and also the, la- the last thing in this is that we live in an ageist world. We can't deny that. I mean, I know it's not shouted about too much, but the reality is if you're 45, 50 plus, you know, you're, you're not top of the pops in terms of the, the talent that people are looking for. I know that's a sweeping generalization. I know people can point to examples where that's not true. But especially at the moment where we've got this new digital and technologically biased uh, society, you know, 50-year-olds who typically don't aren't as good at technology as 35-year-olds or 30-year-olds, for example, are disadvantaged. And they're also probably wanting to earn more than the 35-year-olds. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of reasons, you're going, you know, there's a lot of reasons why mm-hmm. our bias to employ younger, inverted commas, faster, more energetic, more technologically able people and cheaper people uh, is, is that that's where people are going to go by nature now i've been uh really really great advice i think i've been doing some hiring this year and i've really noticed somewhat of a switch that the smarter people are coming coming to us as an organization and not so much with a resume of their past glories now those i those experiences are and expertise are still really important but they're much more talking about their purpose their values and and also attaching things like psych assessments, like DISC and so forth, which you know really? they're, they're, okay. they're fundamental attributes. And it doesn't even, does to me it does, these doesn't even look like a resume anymore. Lots of the softer things, um, much more along the lines of a brand and an influencer, and I find that so much more interesting. And and, and the, the other bit of that bit of that mark as well is organisations. I mean, we talk, I've talk we talk about influencer in terms of building your professional brand as an individual, but that's why also organisations need to build their professional brand to attract those people, so that people want I, I want to I come want to come and work, for example, at ReadyTech because I like the culture, I like what they're doing, I like what they're about. Yes, they make money and they're good products, but I like I like their direction, I like what they believe in. So it's just as important for organisations as well as individuals to create that influence. Absolutely, and uh, look, I'm sure you listened to my recent podcast with Darren Coppin, which was which was all around the connection between work and well-being. And I'm sure for many people, if they move from that place of fear to hope, as you talked about, and be more open, uh, and certainly I think more uh, has have more optimism in the future. That really more than anything is going to derive happiness, right? Absolutely. Well, because fundamentally, when you when you when you when you're in fit, you're stuck. You're, you're you're you're. When we're stuck, we're not growing. When we start to grow, we're moving forward again. You know, and you know, it's like it's like any when when we're sort of down in the dumps and stuck. We just that's how we feel when we actually feel there's stuff to look forward to. There's stuff I'm learning. I'm going to a conference. Oh, here's that new podcast. There's this stuff. We just move. You know, 
there's a, there's a, there's a lovely idea that um, that momentum precedes clarity. I think my mate Matt Church said that. You know, once we actually start moving forward, then stuff starts to happen. We can't necessarily see exactly where we're going and what's going to happen. But when once we start moving, stuff you know stuff um, stuff does happen. In fact, I made a um, I made a video on I put on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. I was up in the UK and I was a bit flat. I was really tired. I had a lot a lot of stuff going on. And um, I went I went up to UK to attend this conference. But I, I by the time yeah when I left to go there I was like oh, you know do I really need this? And it was it felt like a bit of an encumbrance. And I wasn't actually looking forward to it that much. And I was a bit 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 kind of flat. And then I and I I, I recorded this little uh, this little video in the airport actually in in, in the Predamonja just about to jump on the airplane coming back here. I'd been in the UK for a week. I'd gone to the conference. Conference was fabulous. I'd met all these new people, had new conversations. You know, uh, yeah, got the buzz from London and just that whole curiosity thing. Yeah, you know, stuff happened. People connected. You know, things that you knew were going to happen, things you didn't know were going. By the end of the week, I was just so enthused again. And that's the that's the power of actually moving and taking decisions and, and investing in in growth or travel or some version that actually moves us forward. So you know, that was the momentum. I didn't know what I was going to get, but once I actually moved, stuff started to happen. If we do, the only thing you can guarantee is if you don't move, you sit on your ass in the same place all the time, doing the same things all the time. You can guarantee you're going to get the same results. And I say in a, in a world that's already in that you know, in a world that's moving as fast as it is, that is a recipe for. Yeah, failure, and, and I, I think you're right, and, and I, I, I think the um, failure and unhappiness, because when I talk about this idea of influence, um, when you do the influence piece well, it makes you, or it, it's the best chance I believe you have of being successful, both in your professional but also your personal life, and the two things are very much uh, co-joined in a way. I mean, you and I are both old enough to remember when you know the the, the, the iPhone is only twelve years old, LinkedIn is only as a mass thing only about 10 or 12 years old so we both grew up when there was no internet there was when a fax machine was a new thing you know there's 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 been so much there's been so much change so quickly and that's the world we now live in we have to we have to change up our game mm. to play in this new world well despite the fact that I'd, I'd rather not be put in the same bracket as you uh, age-wise I think that uh, well <laughs> I was trying not to be patronizing Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'd love to young <laughs> What I'd love to actually swear. What I really hope, first of all, is some of the discussion today leads some people towards a first step towards some, some new action, right? But let's also talk about employers, just to switch into that. Mm. Um, obviously, and we have a lot of listeners, obviously, leading organisations. You know, what else? What advice can you be giving that can help people within their businesses maybe unlock the second half hero? I think the, uh, the the main thing like that employers can be doing is is just in, is is creating places and spaces and opportunity for people to explore this stuff. Um, there there can be this sort of low energy, and and and, and, and sort of almost default. You know, this is the way we do this. We kind of know what we're doing. Just stick to your knitting kind of thing that can exist in organisations. And you know, and 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 being busy can drive us to that. But if we can actually, I think for organisations to actually understand the the, the value um, of encouraging creativity and curiosity in their people, not just not just in not just in terms of um, helping to unlock the you know, the, the, the the future opportunities for their for, for for their for the products and so forth. I had the conversation with someone um, before I came here. You know, so many organisations they're stuck in. They're, they're stuck in just delivering what they've always done, and they they don't see the they don't see the fact that the, that the world's changing. There's all these new things they could be moving into, 
and they're not because they're, they're, they're too busy sort of, sort of looking 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 in. Um, so not only are you getting uh, new new ideas for growing the business, but the main I think the the, the other main benefit is that em, the em, employees will be more engaged. Um, and yeah, we talk about performance and metrics and measurement and a whole lot of stuff around in, 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 in performance. But if you can, I always imagine if you if you can just lead people better to get them more engaged. If your staff were ten or fifteen percent more engaged, which means they show up with more intent, more energy, more ideas. Maybe they're there a little bit longer, or when they're there, certainly the quality of their presence, if you like, is better. I mean, that's probably the equivalent of a, of a twenty or thirty percent uptick in productivity, in effort, in creativity. Yeah. So I think um, so. Organisations need to think more at what's actually the value of this stuff. Because the, I guess underpinning all of this is there's a bias, and I always talk about this idea of left brain and right brain, uh, and there's a bias. Business is very left brain. Left brain sort of logic and, and analysis, and you know if if it, if it was a piece of software, it'd be an Excel spreadsheet. That's business. And when we talk when we talk about right brain, which is more about creativity and energy and emotion, the humanity piece, if you like, um, that all sounds a bit woo woo. It all sounds a bit um, you know like. Oh there's no value in that. You know, it, 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 all, it all sounds a bit sort of loose. I think business isn't comfortable with that, and so it's easy to sort of well, let's say that's not really important It'll or valuable. Harder, harder to measure the ROI. Exactly. Yeah, you can't measure the ROI. If we can't measure it, what's the point kind of thing? Not and, directly anyway. Exactly, and I think that's the, 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 challenge for, the challenge for businesses now is to actually explore the, the right brain, the creative piece as well, uh, and creativity done well um, is massively engaging. Uh, one of the people I follow is a guy called uh, Don, Don Miller who, who runs a business called Story Brand. Um, and we would, you know, if you, you can actually argue traditional push marketing doesn't work anymore. And what we have to do now is creating a, create a brand that tells a story that engages us and how and engages us in our, in our world. That's quite creative stuff. Um, so that's just one example of how creativity actually is, it can be very, very commercial mm-hmm. and sticking to old analog, analog linear kind of left brain stuff that used to work in the past arguably a lot of it doesn't work anymore um so we've re- we've re- we've really got to as employers be um we have to i think we have to educate ourselves of the opportunities within that space to in turn create opportunities for our staff to to grow and learn in that space as well yeah and space i think is uh, is a really key word there as well right so uh, at readytech we uh, have been inspired recently by the uh the Atlassian Futurist. I already think it's cool that Atlassian actually have a futurist. His, his name's Don. Uh, Don the I, Futurist. I, I like, like it. all his stuff. And they what they actually talked about to talk about this area that you mentioned earlier, which is leading change, not managing change. Mm. Is uh, you know the days of the big transformation projects are really gone, uh, and uh, and what we should be switching to is is the is a change and growth mindset, which is really a continual, yeah. continual commitment to change. Yeah, well, there's that. There's, I mean, when I did when I did my change management degree, there, there was always this. They talked. There was always this lovely idea that there was that there was what they called in management speak a stable state, um, which was business as usual. And then we needed to disrupt that through some kind of change program, go through a change state to a new stable state at a higher <laughs> level of performance and engagement, whatever. And of course, if you actually stop and think about that for any even ten seconds, you know, that's just a, that's a load of old rubbish, really, isn't it? Because it it, it, it and what what sits underneath that is kind of very old fashioned and untrue view of, of, of people, which is there's some kind of, they're kind of cogs in the machine and they perform perfectly and consistently all the time. You just need to tune them and, and maybe ch- ch- you know, change a few of them out, get a better one or a faster engine and then the, the engine will run faster. 
And the reality is they're humans. And uh, listeners to the pod may have noticed that humans are messy. Uh, they're inconsistent. They're emotional. They're sentient. And you know, what we need to understand um, what, how we can actually leverage people's humanity is actually a big, again, which can, I, I know as I say that, a lot of people will be rolling around, old nonsense. But I like to say, and you may well ask a question this might be, it's actually our humanity that's our point of difference. And we actually There's need no to, point in asking the question because you won't answer it anyway. Exactly. We need to, we need to lean into our humanity and it's the intersection of the humanity, uh, the, the, the human piece, and if you like, the more, uh, the left brain piece. I think there's a, there's a lot of power and unexplored, uh, an unexplored possibility for both an organization and an individual level. Well, let's dig into that interesting phrase. And I've, I've seen this in, in your work again and some of your online stuff. And a term you've used, his, humanity is the key and uh, and our differentiator. So what do you really mean by that? I think the our, our age, it's, it's really interesting. Again, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying like some prophet. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's just it's December and we're, we're just about to move into 2020. Not for profit, but the uh, and I'm, I'm, I've got a couple of clients I'm working with at the, at the at the moment, and you know we've kind of and technology is gorgeous, and obviously you know ReadyTech's a tech a, a tech business, but the there's a there's there's an argument we've we've almost unthinkingly moved everything to tech as if tech's the answer to everything. We fall in love with the shiny and new and the technological and the online this and the the app that. And that's all good, and I think tech's an, a, an amazing accelerator and a leveraging point, and obviously it's efficient and it's great at doing stuff. Uh, it's great at doing stuff consistently, twenty four seven, cheaply and, and predictably. That humans probably don't do so super well, but we've almost gone too far, and I think we've, you know, we're at risk of throwing out the uh, the baby with the bathwater. There's a lot of power in the human side of things, uh, and the you know that the, as humans as i say we're we're connected you know we're looking for meaning we're looking for encouragement uh we're looking we're looking for ways that our life our life matters um so when we think of and that might might sound a bit loose but in think of think of that through a commercial lens both as individuals and organizations if we can if we can hook into that there's some very smart things we can do to increase our business so for example and we touched on this a little bit before in terms of retention you know most organizations do customer service and the customer experience is dreadful because they've automated everything so you get emails for this and emails for that and you know uh, and so for example I, I posted this online i recently um swap my home loan out because my my existing lender um, who i'd been with for, i don't know 15 years wouldn't lend us a bit more money we needed to build to build build a granny flat for some reason and then a new per so we, we got a new 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 loan with someone else and then about you know a, a week after all this had happened and we closed the account i got one of those automated phones so how was your experience and would you recommend us well, of course i'm not going to recommend you it was just you know, because you, you you were terrible um, but that's just an example of mindless, thoughtless, automated stuff that doesn't connect with me at a human level. Flip that around, you know, and, and, and also we see, sorry, another example, we, we see increasingly where, we, where if you might be with an organization or with a product and you get all these new offers, you, so you, you see better offers out in the marketplace for new customers than existing customers. Well, hold on, I've been a customer of yours for a year or 10 years and you've launched this new offer that, and then you tell me I'm not, I'm not, I can't access the new offer. So we, there's lots of ways that that customer retention thing is done really poorly because it's automated and it looks really smart because it's all automated. But if we actually stop and think and actually maybe had people phoning people up, existing customers up at once every three months, say, hey, you know, thanks for being a customer of XYZ. We really value you and we'd love to give you a free cinema ticket that you didn't know about. Something like that. I'm suddenly going, as a human, I'm connected with them. Go, That's amazing. How thoughtful. Mm -hmm. 
And I think, you know, and so that, yeah, I think that's the example where if we actually think as human beings and really can be commercially smart through a human lens, um, there's ways we can grow retention. There's ways we can win new business by understanding that we are all human beings. We're all a bit frazzled. We're trying to get a lot of stuff done. Um, and we crave a bit of, of thoughtfulness. So we actually, when we actually see a bit of thoughtfulness from an organization, we're going, hey, how good are these people? It stands out, right? It stands out. Mm. And, who, and here's my question. Who do you know? Who does this well? Pretty much no one. Certainly none of the large organizations do this well. But I think it's a massive opportunity. It's hard to scale it, right? But I think that's a, I, with respect. You're I think welcome. A, to I think tell I, th- me I think that's a. I, th- I think that's lazy thinking. I think if you think about okay, what's a great way of doing this, and then how do we scale it? You've come up with a whole lot of answers, uh, because you obviously need to automate the pieces that need automating. But then you and you have you have CRMs that come right. Every this is a three month anniversary client, or these people have been with us for a year. These are the people we need to phone up and say, hey, we'd love to come around and just say thank you for your business, or some version of that. Uh, whereas we know, whereas most organisations, you can't even speak to someone except to, except to buy from them. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's no doubt, and you said we're coming into a new decade, that the 2020s will really be defined by that frontier of that interaction, interconnection of uh, of technology and, and human, right? Definitely. And, and one, of the, one of the interesting things, I guess as someone who's lived, I kind of, I kind of as, as an ex-corporate, I've lived in sort of the, the large corporate space for quite a long time. But as a, I guess now a solopreneur and, on, and an entrepreneur, I now live in that 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 space, and there's a so, there's so much more creativity in that small space, and there's so much more, um, some, there's a lot more smarter thinking in, in some of these micro and small businesses, um, and they're actually going to get an edge, and they are they are little by little leading the lunch of some of the larger organisations, mm. uh, and and yet some of the and I wrote about this in a blog recently, some of the principles that we talked about this idea of retention, now, they can be, they can absolutely be taken up by a large utility. Uh, because because the down the downside if 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 a utility for example stops you know if its retention policies don't work it starts to lose lose a load of customers if it was spending a, a few million dollars a year on smart retention that's actually well net that out that's actually a really good investment as opposed to giving money away which is probably how it would be seen at a very sort of high level does that make sense completely does well I think maybe Apple's a really good example if someone's got it right in the Apple Store right when you actually have a, a, a really really profoundly positive experience often with a human what i wanted to swip, switch to actually was the um was the advice that you might give to young people young people may be coming out of school i know you've been through this with you, with your own kids as well coming out of their education and uh getting into their becoming their first half heroes what what sort of advice do you give them in this uh, in these into this new world yeah it's it's a re- it's a really interesting interesting one mark in fact i've got a conversation with someone this week about this um because it's yeah I, I know simplistically I, I, I paint this kind of you know, this kind of analog versus digital world and that can imply that anyone who was born you know the, the digital natives for example they've got it all made they're all sorted all cool and, and they've got it all down and they really don't um and you and I both know we we, we both are sort of aware of some some business some some, some not-for-profits that work in the, in the in the youth mental health space uh, and I'm talking to people who are doing a lot of work with students and a lot of those guys um the young guys are really stuck. They don't really know what the future holds, and that whole gig economy that we keep talking about—you know—it's it, it's, it's a tough place to 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 live and to be. So the, the so say so coming back to the, the the whole thing about the second half here, as you say, there's going to be multiple halves. It's really about the transition. So the the thing the thing I would encourage the, the young guys is pretty much the same. You know. Be self-aware. Do the self-work. Yeah. I mean, at the heart of, I mean, I think we, I, th- I think I spoke about this to you last time. You, know, 
the DNA of our self leadership is doing self work. So we need to be aware of what what is it what is it we need to work on. And and I think a big a big part of being successful in the VUCA world is building our resilience. And resilience is based on balance. And balance is about things like you know uh, eating well, sleeping well, exercising, being social, making sure you've got a wide uh, cross section of friends. Uh, at home, at work, you know, just having a whole balance and, and lots of different, if you like, um, aspects and, and, and different supporting parts into your world such that when you wobble and we all wobble and we'll continue to wobble, we've got people we can lean on who, and, and who will help us. Um, so I think that's a fundamental thing. And that's the self-work piece. And just going off on a, a bit of a tangent here, this, this is where a lot of uh, organizations get this whole wellness thing wrong. They see wellness as a tangential piece that sits on the outside of real work and real productivity and real profit making. Yet the the wellness piece as I've just described is actually that's the self work piece and that's that sits at the bottom. So self work is at the heart of personal performance. Personal performance obviously underpins team performance and team performance obviously underpins organizational performance. So that wellness stuff, the nutrition stuff, the the sleep stuff, the the the, the, the mental health stuff, all of that stuff. Um, the curiosity stuff, all of that, that and, and, and the training, giving people careers, all of that sits at the heart of performance. It's not peripheral. So coming back to the students, so I would encourage them to um, just keep keep learning and outside of not just, not just um, as I, I mean, I, and I think it's where universities are, have, have more work to do. They're good at teaching them stuff, but I'm not sure how good they are at helping them to access these other pieces that I'm speaking about. Uh, be, a much beyond a kind of lip service level, and it's really found, it's really important. I think they're getting there, and I yeah, think absolutely that's good. the work that we're seeing with educators is is that they're absolutely starting to understand the importance of some of that other softer stuff. Maybe you might call it again, right? Uh, so um, you mentioned that about switching. I just want to go back to something that you said about switching to the life of the uh, call it a freelancer. I think there's probably no doubt that uh, we're going to see more and more freelancers and more people in the gig economy. And uh, and you said it ain't easy, uh, but uh, for those that are you know looking to make that change, or you know the benefits, of course, are that you've been able to. And from my experience, you know, I can see someone within you who's done this better than most is to design your own life, which mm. is really to design mm. how you really use your time. You have a lot more control over that, and how you actually design your day, uh, and uh, and that balance uh, is uh, is able to be be achieved maybe easier. Uh, so. Uh, through your own experience and the hard one experience, what advice can you give? Wow, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a, there's a few aspects to that. The um, there's probably six things I can think of. The first one is to start earlier. So if you if you are planning to transition out of an organisation, um, start planning well ahead of, of, of when you're when you're when you're when you're actually looking to do it. So I would spend a year preparing, going to conferences, finding the new tribe you want to fit into, get a sense of what you want to do. Start to build your influence, absolutely, along the lines I've spoken about. Start to build network. Um, you need to build your brand. I've, I've spoken about this idea of you need, you, we all need to build our personal and professional brand, and they're, they're smashed together. They're, they're, they're both. And I think it, I think it will, even now, I mean, it's funny. I was, I was in a room the other day. There were 65 motivated um, professionals. And I asked the question, who, which of you guys are members of LinkedIn? And I usually, I'm not saying LinkedIn is, LinkedIn is just a platform, but it's clearly the go-to social media platform. And when I asked that question, 100% of people in the room put their hands up. Yeah, we're all, we're all members of LinkedIn. Then I asked the question, how many of you are actually creating content? 
and it was about five or six hands. So, so fewer than 10 people, 10% of people are actually creating content. So you, you, we need to, so that means 90% of people, all they've really done with LinkedIn, which is the, pre, 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 the predominant social media network for professionals, all they've really done is create an online version of their CV. And the CV, let's say the CV has been around since, or since as long as I've been in business, so 30, 40 years. So if all you've really done is create an online version of your CV in a world that's gone from nothing to having iPhone Mark 11, I think, at the moment, think of all the changes there. If all you've done is create an online version of your CV, do you think you've done enough? Of course you haven't. So you need to create a professional brand. So that's that's one thing. Um, you need to, uh, in terms prag pragmatically, I think you need, I, I, I love to tell people, assume you're not going to earn any money for a year which might sound ridiculous, but it's probably not far wrong. If, if you're and certainly if you think you're going to, um, you know, going to come out of corporate and then after a couple, of, I'll have a couple of months and then I'll start picking up a bit of work and then probably five to six months, I'll be back to where I am. Um, you might, and good if you do, if you do, that's great. But the reality is, is for most people, it's much harder than that. It takes a lot longer uh, and you'll be very surprised at um, – how how many people who you think are good mates and networks and colleagues now when you when you're part of a when you're working for a large organisation and you you have a, a, a position like general manager a, a bank or somewhere um, and the minute you take away that bank and that title you're just Joe Blow from NoName.com uh, it's amazing how many people just you know won't take your call and aren't available for that coffee anymore you know you you find you find your network massively dissipates. So you need to think. Maybe about we're going to have a lot less resignations this week. Than I, yeah, we're yeah, expecting. Let's yeah. cheer them up. So start early, build your brand, uh, and the re so, so the, the point and create content. The, the whole point of creating content is that content creates uh, connection, connection creates conversations, and conversations with the right people at some point creates some kind of conversion to a sale, to a recommendation, recommendation to a testimonial or something. So that's the idea of the content. The, it's the same stuff that's working for companies, right? You're like a, you're a mini mini company looking to attract people to your brand. That's a really good way to think about it. You are you you are you are a mini company, and but again, it's 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 fascinating how few companies do this well. You know, I've just I've just launched my own LinkedIn platform to help people to do this, and and what I'm, I'm, our strapline, we're helping people to um, create a content creation habit. Yeah. Because coming back to your the courage thing, most people are so hung up. On putting anything out there on social, on, on certainly on, on LinkedIn, because they fear they're going to be judged, they fear they're not going to be smart enough, they fear they're going to they'll run out of things to say. But the reality is, they actually, you know, once we actually do this and continuously do this really well, we do create a content creation habit. And a guy called James Clear, who wrote a very a successful book at the moment called Atomic Habits, uh, and he said, if you want to change a habit, you need to join a community where your desired behaviour is the normal behavior. So for example, you want to get fit, you go to a gym where everyone's turning up getting fit. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to create great content, you, know, you need to join a place where people are every day turning up creating great content. Don't try and do it on your own in the same way as don't try and get fit on your own yeah, in your basement with your inverted commas home gym. That makes sense. We've all got, how, many, how many people have we seen on Council Clear Up? They get their home gym and then after three months, you know, the, the barbells and the stuff is either covered in dust or it's at the end of the road waiting for the council to pick it up. It's exactly the same principle. Um, so it becomes, that which comes to self-awareness, self-leadership, join a community where your, where your desired behavior is the, is the common behavior. And that's what we're doing, for example, with LinkedIn Accelerator Club. Not because people don't know how to use LinkedIn, but they don't because they're, they, they're fearful or they, they're not in the habit or they, they do it irregularly. We've got to do it regularly. So that's, that's one of the other things. Two more areas in helping people to transition out of organizations to 
uh, create their own consultancy or become a solopreneur. One is to uh, speed up um, because you need to, I, I say there's two things you need to do. First of all, you need to see the game and the game is very different. The game, the game of a solopreneur is very, very different. It's like a startup. It's much faster. Um, so you need to see the game and then you get, need to get fit for the game. Um, and a lot of that is going faster because corporates, I mean, simplest, I know, I know I'm, I know I'm sort of using very broad brush, um, um, and possibly maligning statements, but simplistically, uh, corporates are slow and, you know, and, 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 and ponderous. If you think, you know, the, um, the movie Wally, you know, where the, where the, remember the Wally, where the, uh, the, the humans are kind of so bloated and they kind of sit on chairs, they can't do anything anymore. That's kind of, I mean, that, that's kind of a, uh, that's an exaggerated version of what some corporates, everything's kind of slow and it doesn't really matter if you do anything because you're going to get fed anyway, you get your salary and that's all good. But that's not the world you're going to inhabit as a consultant. You've got to go fast. You've got to be agile. You've got to move quickly. You've got to learn how to use technology. So, for example, I've got a pretty advanced CRM that I use. I've got email automations going on. I've got a whole lot of stuff that, to be honest with you, I've walked into lots of businesses where they've got a marketing department of two or three people. I think, what do you people do? I create more content than you, and I spend an hour a day doing it. So I don't know what you three people do for you know 120 hours a week, for example. Uh, and then the last the last. Um, the last piece is to get help. And I know this, this is obviously an advert, advertisement for mentors, but it's like a lot of these things, you know. Can you do it yourself? Probably, possibly. It'll take you a lot longer, though, if you, than, than if you actually get someone who can help you, who's done it, who can lead you through the processes, uh, help you avoid some of the costly mistakes, um, and just accelerate that journey to a point of actually doing the work you need to do to actually make the money. There's quite a lot to it. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's as I, as I said, it, it's certainly not for everyone. But I would, for anyone who wants to, I'd heartily encourage it. I've now done it. You know, I now replace I've replaced my corporate salary quite a few years ago now. I, to your point, I've designed my life. I do a lot of sports stuff. I like you to do. I, I try. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I work hard. I work fifty, sixty hours a week. But I go rowing in the mornings. You know, I don't commute very often. Um, I get to travel. I do travel and and, and and things. And and and. But more importantly. I look forward, I'm 54 now, I look forward to the next 10 years and I'm so positive and enthusiastic. I'm, you know, and you asked me how I was at the beginning of the session. You know, I got so much stuff going on, but it's good stuff. I'm not going, oh, I'm not trudging towards the end of the year and then trudging on the groundhog day and think, oh, what's 2020 is just another year. I got so many projects. I've got Second Half Hero. I've got LinkedIn Accelerator Club. I've got a whole, I've got, I'm launching a mastermind group. There's all, there's, there's new stuff going on. It's exhausting hanging around with you. And, but, and, and, you know, and, so, and please don't hear me like I'm big noting myself. I've got it all solved. I haven't. But what I, what I do, what I, what I, I guess what I do have is I know what the game looks like and I've got myself fit to play the game. And that doesn't mean it's without its, tra its travails. Absolutely not. It's, it's, it's all, yeah, there's always bits that, 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 that knock you off your, off your as, course as, occasionally. As relevant, I think, if you are in, a, in an organization as opposed to out on your own. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, it's, been, uh, it's been an absolutely fascinating discussion. And uh, actually, what I always like to do before we wrap things up with our guests is, is to ask for one more prediction, one more large prediction uh, for the future of work. What do you think? Gee, you've had two mega predictions. I've called massive shift points. You want another one? Three's a, three's a charm. The right three's a charm. I think the, 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 new, the new world of work, I, I don't buy this idea there's all these new jobs yet that we just don't know what they are and they haven't been invented. I, I don't buy that. It just, that just does not make sense to me. So I, I, I do think there's going to be a lot of 
lot of angst in the world I'm talking about. And lot, I think, I think, and I, I, I do, as I said earlier, I, I, I do think 2020 is going to see a massive acceleration of those old world, old momentum kind of businesses kind of starting to, I don't really, well, yeah, I guess starting to fail. It'll be more, it'll be, it'll be more, it'll be more and more clear and obvious they're on the wrong path and they need to reinvent. And I think, I think you'll see significant businesses struggle. Um, and it's interesting because I literally read an article before we came about Trump America, which I'm sure you've got strong views on. We're not going to go there today. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and they have the lowest unemployment since 1967. Mm. So we're not seeing it quite yet, are we? Mm. Mm. We're not, we're not, I don't, I, 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 I guess the logic, I don't, the logic of it doesn't work for me. I, I don't, I don't see where all these so-called jobs are going to come from. Um, without massive amounts of reinvention, so which which so we're not yeah. doom and gloom, but I think it comes back to this fact that I think at, at, at a at a, an individual, at an organisational, and even at a societal level, this kind of self work, this human work, the to your to use your words, and I think you're right, this soft skill work is going to become so much more important. I, I hate the term soft skill because soft skills are hard, and this is the point. I mean the, the I guess with the technology in the digital the digital space, a lot a lot of the inverted commas hard skills, they can they 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 can be mocked up in an algorithm. They can you know a supercomputer can do a ton of that really good stuff. So it's actually that to my point that humanity is our point of difference. You know that's where we need to do the work. That's where we, that, that's where we need to create values on that human space. But so few of us, I think, yet are at the point where we're doing enough work and actually unlock to unlock that potential. So to cut me off, if, this, if any of this has sounded a bit bleak, it's absolutely not meant to be. The reality is every single one listening to this has the innate ability inbuilt into them to, you know, to be, be amazing, to be extraordinary, to find, to uncover their, their second half hero and, and leave this, this fantastic life. But they need to do, they need to be self-aware, they need to lead themselves and they need to be courageous. Um, and hopefully we've given some ideas to how that what that could look like. As I said before, let's really hope so, Mark. Thanks so much for the insights, for the energy and the passion you've brought to the discussion. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been, been a pleasure. And, uh, and to you, the listener, thank you again for tuning in to work. Please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on your favorite streaming service, including Spotify and Apple and Google podcasts. As Mark says, keep up the good work. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.